of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And then on Sunday... The Cleveland Browns will play host to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One o'clock kickoff here on WHBC. And to talk about that one, we go to the hotline right now. Bring in the outstanding Browns beat reporter at brownzone.com. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Scott Petrak. He is Scotty Petrak. How are you today, Scotty? Not bad, Kenny. How are you? I'm great, man. This is going to be a fantastic football weekend for everybody. And uh, let's jump ahead to the matchup on Sunday. Browns have lost two in a row since the bye week, right, Scotty? And six of their last seven. Is that accurate? That is correct. All right. So we see them beat a Cincinnati team handily, Scotty, right? And then we see them have two weeks to prepare for Miami, get blown out. And then we see them take on a Buffalo team that went through so much last week. They held them without a first down until the eight-minute mark of the second quarter. And then Buffalo comes storming back to win last week. So what do we make of the last two performances by the Browns following what was their impressive victory over the Bengals? Yeah, I think the constant is bad defense, right, especially bad run defense. Um, you know, there's a few bright spots against Buffalo, you know, the good start, like you mentioned, they held Buffalo to a bunch of field goals. It could have been way worse. Um, but still, you've given up, they've given up 160 yards rushing in five of the last seven games, I want to say. Um, wow. And then offensively, like, I think they played better against Buffalo. Uh, you know, they had opportunities, and they just couldn't convert after that good start. And I mean, I'm pointing to, you had Harrison Bryant and Farrell Brown, the two tight ends, drop back-to-back touchdown passes. So that costs you four points because you have to settle for a field goal. And then you have Jacoby Reset fumble the ball near midfield, right, from the backup center. That costs you a possession and I think leads to Buffalo points. Uh, you had the third one and fourth and one, quarterback sneak stopped. And then even the second half, you're still hanging around, and Brissett makes a good throw to Harrison Bryant in the back of the end zone, and he can't get a second foot down. And then um, Cade York gets a field goal block. So that's seven more points. So I think the tight ends cost you 11 points, and it, all of a sudden it's a different game, right? It has a different feel to it. So, you know, again, it's mistakes that continue to be made. We can focus a lot on defense, uh, but I thought the offense also let them down, not from a play-calling standpoint, but from players. I, I thought it was a, mostly an execution standpoint offensively against Buffalo. Scotty, I look at the game offensively, and the opening drive was a thing of beauty again, right? Right. But then they struggle after that opening a drive, opening drive. Excuse me, when teams adjust to them. Why is it? Do you think that it seems like, at least in my opinion, sure. Stefanski struggles after the scripted opening drive? Well, I mean, I think that's natural because you spend all week working on working on the script, right? The plays. And not only yeah. the coach, you know, it's plays he loves, they practice them a ton. So there's more players are used to running them more. There's more familiarity, comfortability, um, and I think that leads to success. And you can't practice 65 different plays, right? There's not enough time during the week. So I think that's a lot of it. 
And I think there is an element of, okay, defenses see some stuff you're doing and make adjustments, and then it's on you to adjust back. But when I point out the mistakes against Buffalo, to me, like that gets Stefanski off the hook to some degree because there were plays there to be made, right? They lose six yards, I think, on a direct snap to Nick Chubb, but then they have two chances back-to-back to throw touchdown passes, right? That, so that's not a Stefanski issue. He's got tight ends running open down the middle, and the throw's good, and they can't catch it, right? So I, I get what you're saying, and I do think there is there have been lulls, certainly, from this offense, and you know everything looks worse when you know compared to the great opening drives. But you know I, I don't think it's all that. I, I think that's part of it, but I think it goes beyond that. And I think if you look at Stefanski's offense overall, to me, uh, you know that's not what's holding this team back, right? I think they're fourth in the league in yardage and tenth in the league in points, which Jacoby Brissett. And you know, it, to me, it's all about the defense and special teams. All right, let's start with the special teams here, okay? Mike Prefer still has a job. How? I don't know. Uh, But he does. Uh, And we've seen kick returns. We've seen blocked punts. We've seen blocked field goals, missed extra points, blocked field goals, extra whatever it is. Scotty, this special teams, in my opinion, has been a disaster from the start of the season. And I know they lost Jakeem Grant, right, that was supposed to be their kick returner. But that's that's not the reason why they stink so bad on, on special teams. Why do they, and how does he still have a job? I wish I had an answer for that, Kenny, because I don't. And here's the thing. Prefer is a respected special teams guy, right? He's been in the league for a long time under good coaches. And I think even in, you know, he's been here for, I think, four years. He predated Stefanski. I think his units have usually been solid. No, Nothing good in the return game, but usually solid. And that hasn't been the case this year. And, you know, I don't think he's coaching any less hard, right? I, so I, it's hard for me to put a finger on it, but you're 100% correct that they've been a disaster. Um, I think when everybody talks about defensive coordinator Joe Woods getting fired, Mike Prefer's name needs to be included, right? And you did, and I think that's correct. If you're going to talk about firing coordinators, he needs to be on that list. Now, one of the reasons he's not fired is I don't think they have somebody to step in for him, right? Like his assistant has been his brand new um, – I don't think he was even on the team last year because they made a they made a change at that assistant special teams coordinator. So I think I think that's why I think there's and maybe Kevin Spansky just doesn't believe in firing coaches during the season. But there's really not a replacement on the staff, and I'd be stunned if Mike Prefer came back next year. Scotty Petrack, our guest, one of the best that covers the Browns. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrack. Brownzone.com uh, is where you can see his stuff on a regular basis, along with stuff from Jim Ingram, who had a great piece, I thought, today, Scotty, yep. uh, about the Haslam's ownership. And that, that's, uh, you know, we'll get to that later in this conversation. I want to stay on, uh, you know, the coaches and go to Joe Woods and the run defense. And I'm going to give Joe Woods, I don't want to say a pass here, okay, but I'm going to give him a little uh, a little room because, to me, it may not all be Joe Woods' fault. Some of it belongs to Andrew Barry, who failed to address the interior of the defensive line when he knew it was a weakness before the season started, and now we're seeing how bad it really is. Is that a fair assessment on my part? Yes, it is. It's. I think it's on the money. You know, it's it's hard to excuse Joe Woods, right? It's hard to take – it's hard to stick up for him because it's his unit and the run defense right. has been awful, right? So I get it. I get when, why people want to 
point their fingers at Joe Woods. But you're 100% right, Kenny, that it goes beyond Joe Woods. And I would start with the personnel, like you mentioned. They don't have the defensive tackles to stop the run. They just don't. And, you know, I think part of the philosophy is, hey, we're going to be so – we're going to score a bunch of points and go rush the passer, and defensive tackles stopping the run doesn't matter. And, right. you know, that might be – you know, in some world that strategy might be – it might work, right? If you have a big-time quarterback, if you're Kansas City – um, it hasn't worked for this team, and you can point directly at the tackles, and I think some degree at your linebackers, and maybe even at your safeties. Right? Those are the run stoppers, and I think they've let down this team, and they've let down Joe Woods. So I'm with you. I think Andrew Barry needs responsibility, and then I don't think you can just remove all responsibility from the players. Right? I mean, if if sure. Grant Delpit after the tenth game of the season is talking about guys not knowing where they're supposed to be, that's on the players to some degree, right? Like, you can say, well, the coaches need to coach them up. The coaches are telling them what to do and where to go. And if the players can't get it through their heads, then at some level it's either the players aren't smart enough, um, they're not dedicated enough, right? So I just don't want it to – I'm with you. I don't think it should be all about Joe Woods. I think it needs to be spread through the front office and the players. Scotty, then what should I take from back-to-back weeks – post-game comments from the supposed leader of the defense, Miles Garrett, sounding like he's throwing somebody under the bus. Is it Joe Woods? Is it Stefanski? Is it the front office? Or am I misunderstanding uh, his tone and his words? It's tough to tell with Miles. It is. And I like Miles a lot. I like talking to him, and he gives a lot of answers. right? But I think he wants there to be some gray area. Right, I don't think he wants to be pinned down. I mean, if he wanted to rip Joe Woods, he would rip Joe Woods directly. He's done it before. Um, I, I took the the turnover comments that he made after the Buffalo game to be – I took that to be a knock on the players, just like I thought Grant Delpitz was a knock on the players. Now, some people okay. interpret them as he's ripping Joe Woods, but I know that Joe Woods and the coaching staff place a tremendous amount of importance on takeaways. Like, they talk about that all the time. I watched the drills in practice that are focused on takeaways. So when Miles Garrett says, well, we haven't reached our goals, to me that's guys not stripping the ball when they're supposed to, right? Like those effort things in practice. And, again, it's, it's, it's a player or a coach thing. I think that I think Miles Garrett was talking about the players. And he actually brought it up again today and said he thought practice was better this week. Um, and then he got asked, well, what were you, who were you talking to when you said that? And he said everybody. So – you know, I don't know if that's covering for himself, but you know, I'm sure it, I'm sure Miles feels like that. I'm sure Miles feels like it's a team problem from the coaching to the players. All right, Scotty. So uh prefer hot seat, Miles Garrett hot seat, lukewarm seat for Kevin Stefanski, or does he get a bye because his franchise quarterback won't be back until next week? That's that's how I lean, Kenny, is that he gets a pass. Um, especially okay. because I think his offense, like we talked about, has been performing pretty well. Now, if things go terrible and they finish 3-14, and 14, um, we could have a different conversation, right? If things don't look different and better with Deshaun Watson, maybe we have a conversation. And, you know, again, the X factor, and we've talked about this, is a hassle, right? We know that they like to make changes. We know that they're not overly patient. And does something happen over the final seven weeks to make to kind of push them over the edge, for lack of a better phrase. 
right? Like, I don't feel right now that Kevin Stefanski is in trouble, but I'm not willing to say that can't change. And I would base that on the fact there's still seven games left and a lot can happen in seven games in the NFL season and who the owners are. And they have the ultimate decision. And even if Paul Paul DePodesta and Andrew Barry were all in with Kevin Stefanski, it's up to the Haslam's. And let's go there since Jim Ingram did a fantastic piece uh, on the Haslam's. Um, And I I loved your or Jim's line about the the golf cart guy, whoever (laughs) was, you know, uh, driving uh, and and causing havoc on the field. They haven't caught him and they haven't caught guys running the football. So so what about the Haslam's? They're not going to sell anytime soon, I don't think, unless they get a ridiculous offer for the team. So they're in place, and it all starts at the top. What should fans make of the Haslam's? What can be done so they become better owners, if anything? Oof, that's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's really yeah, hard. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic, I think you can point to – I guess you can point to the fact that they're still relatively young at this. I mean, I know they, they use that as an excuse a lot. Not an excuse, right. but an explanation, right? And I think there's something to be said for that. That, you know, there's no manual for being an owner. They came into a tough spot. You know, they had the whole Sashi experience or experiment, and that set them back a couple of years. So, I, you know, I guess that would be part of it. And then, you know, quarterbacks can make bad owners look good, right? I'm not sure how good of an owner Jim Irsay is, right? But Peyton Manning no. made him look pretty good when he was their quarterback. So, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson is the piece that at least stabilizes it. Now, I don't think that necessarily makes the Haslam's great owners, and I haven't seen enough to say that they will be great owners ever. Um, but I guess my point is maybe you can overcome poor ownership, and if you feel like you have the right guys at the top of the organization, the Paul Podesta, the Andrew Barry, and I'm not saying those are the right guys, but in those roles, then I think that lessens the importance of ownership. All right, what about that front office? If we're putting people on the hot seat and questioning the owners, now I know the owners hired the front office, but uh, they're still in play. The Ivy League, uh, you know, guys in, in the front office that seem to think they're smarter than everybody else doesn't look like they are. What about uh, Andrew Barry and his staff? Yeah, you know, like, I, I think, like, I've, I've liked the fact that these guys are smart, right? The, the, the fact that they went to Ivy League schools, I think is great. But it's got to translate. So you can have all these processes in place and you can have all these strategies that to me are probably really sound strategies, but the execution has to be better. And what's starting to worry me if you're a Browns fan would be is Andrew Barry and his front personnel staff hitting on enough of their draft picks and free agent signings, right? Like that's what it comes going to come down to. You can have all your plans in place, but if the left half you draft at number 10 isn't good enough, then it doesn't matter that you knew to take a left tackle, right? And you knew you had to go sign a tight end, but you signed Austin Hooper, right? So that's not a good signing. So I think we're starting to see too many of those. Not enough for me to say Andrew Barry's the wrong guy, but for me to question, I I think it's fair to question whether he's the right guy or to say that he needs to continue to prove, right? Because I think there are some good picks he's made, but there's some clunkers and there's plenty of, man, we don't know yet. And I think that's become a concern when you start to break down his draft picks and even some of the free agent signings. Now, and everybody misses, um, 
but you know, I think it's getting to the point where you start to question if the miss rate is too high. Scotty Petrack, our guest, brownzone.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Scott Petrack. All right, let's go to this week's game. Tampa Bay comes to town. Tom Brady, I believe, is undefeated since he got divorced. So maybe he was distracted. And I I get it. Trust me, I understand that side of things. But uh, here he is, 5-5. Five and five. They're back in first place. Browns are in last place. This is the final game with Jacoby Brissett as the starting quarterback for the Browns. And, oh, yeah, he was the understudy of Tom Brady. So there's so many different tentacles to, yeah. the, uh, to the game this week, right? So give me oh, your yeah. thoughts on Tampa Bay coming in here, Scotty, and this matchup Sunday. Well, I, I think Tampa Bay's figured some stuff out, Kenny. You know, they struggled early. Um, they had a win. They're coming off a bye. They started to run the ball a little bit better and a little more, especially that last game before the bye in Germany. I think that's scary, right, because we talked about the Browns' run defense. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Um, You know, he might not be the same player he was, but he's still really good. Still doesn't throw interceptions, doesn't take sacks. They have a good defense. So I I think it's a tough matchup. Now, they're not explosive on offense. So, you know, I think there's – I think that helps the Browns, right? You figure, at least from my thinking, that it's not going to become a shootout, right, where it's – 45 to 40, you got to score 35 to keep right. up. Doesn't feel like that kind of game to me. Um, but they're good. I mean, they, they won a Super Bowl two years ago, right? They're going to win that division, and they're going to be in the playoffs. So I think it's a tough matchup for the Browns, um, but maybe not as scary a matchup as we saw, you know, when they're playing, you know, a really good Miami team and then a really good Buffalo team. All right, so where – can the Browns exploit Tampa Bay and steal a victory before Deshaun Watson comes back, in your opinion? Um, I, I think it's run game, which has not been great the last two weeks. Right, Buffalo really stopped Nick Chubb. But Tampa Bay is in the middle of the pack run defense. If they don't have Vita Vea, who is the big dude up front, right? he's a defensive tackle, he's 350 pounds or whatever he is, an explosive, yep. and he can rush the quarterback. He is, I think he's questionable on the official injury report. Didn't practice a couple days this week. So maybe if he's not the same force, um, that should help the Browns run it. And I'd like to think that the Browns will figure it out, right? You can't, you shouldn't be able to hold Nick Chubb down for two or three weeks in a row. Um, So that feels like if they're going to have an area, it would be the Browns figuring out a way um, to have some success running the ball like they have traditionally, right? We know how good they are against or running the ball. I think they're still top five. If they can get back to that, I think they have a chance because Tampa's pretty good pass defense, and they're able to create pressure. So I think you're going to be able to want to run the ball. Plus, the weather could be an issue. I think there's wind and rain in the forecast. So that's how I like it. I think that's how you can kind of, you know, whatever, compete with Tom Brady, right? Kind of offset Tom Brady's ability on the other side of the ball. All right, what about the injury report, Scotty, for the Browns specifically? Who's definitely out? Who's questionable heading into this game for Cleveland? Yeah, it's only Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom will miss his second straight game with the concussion that he suffered in that Friday practice before the Bills game uh, in a collision with the teammate in practice. Uh, He's the only guy. Nobody else has any status. Um, Yelda Froholt, who will start at center for the injured Ethan Posich, or Posick, um, he came back today. He missed two days with an illness, but he's said he's feeling pretty good and it's going to start. So, to me, those are the two biggest question marks. So they got the center, but they don't have the cornerback. What about Teller? Is he back from the calf injury? Wyatt Teller? 
Yeah, I mean, he's playing. He's not 100%, and I think that was pretty obvious okay. against Buffalo. Yeah. And it was obvious against Miami. He had to leave that game early. But he will play um, practice two of the three days this week. So it's just one of those things I think he's got to fight through it. And, again, it's tough. That interior of the line will be tested by Tampa Bay, especially if Vita Vea plays and plays like normal. Um, but they're better off, obviously, with any kind of teller versus not having teller at all. All right, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in this interview, final game, at least for now, let's say it, right, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback as the starter. The 11-game suspension will come to an end after Sunday's game. That means, and we've already been told, Deshaun Watson will start against the worst team in the league, the Houston Texans, (laughs) the next week. He's been practicing with the team. Um, uh, Fill us in on that storyline. How is Brissett handling that, and what are you hearing about Watson and if he's ready to go because he will not have played a regular season game, I think, in 700 days? Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I think it's hard for Jacoby. Now, he wouldn't admit it, but I think it's hard for him. He really put his heart and soul into this this season, right? And part of it is because he wanted the opportunity to be a starter, and he got it, and he wanted to take advantage of it. And I think he has to a great degree. But it's difficult. You're the leader. You know, I mean, he is. He's become a leader. He's become really respected. And it just is going to end, right? And abruptly, even though he knew it was coming, um, I, I don't think that makes it any easier to take. Um, from a football standpoint, Watson has been getting more reps with the ones. You know, I don't think it's a ton, but you can see him, even when we're out there, and we're out there before team drills, you can see his, the number of reps, kind of the order when he takes the reps, is increased, and that's all part of the plan to get him ready for when he's out there. Like you said, it's been 700 days. So um, I don't know exactly what to expect from him because <laughs> it's been so long, but I can tell you he looks good. You know, in the time we're out there watching him, I mean, he looks like Deshaun Watson. He's got a big arm, and he runs really well. You know, I mean, that hasn't changed, and we saw that in training camp too. All right, so must they win Sunday to have any chance at making the playoffs as an outside, outside shot wild card team? Yes, I think that's fair to say. I don't think I don't think nine wins get you into the playoffs in the AFC. So the only chance they have to get ten wins is if they win from here on out, right? And that starts with Sunday against Tampa Bay. So, yeah. They got yeah, gotta run the table, go seven and zero to even yeah. think about the playoffs, and that's highly unlikely, but we'll see starting this Sunday. So how do you see Sunday's game going in Brissett's final start? I think the team's gonna rally around Jacoby. I do. I think they're gonna play well. I think the defense will play better just because sometimes that happens in a league, right? You you just you get beat down enough and you find something within your you know, within yourself as a team. So I, I think they have a good effort, but I think in the end, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers get it done, right? Brady makes an extra play, whatever it takes. Um, I got Tampa Bay 24, Cleveland 21. Yeah, I'm leaning that way too, Scotty. I said I couldn't pick them till they beat the Bengals. Well, then they beat the Bengals. I picked them, and then they lost two in a <laughs> row. So uh, I, I can't do it. Sorry, Jacoby. I've never been. He's played well. I'll give him credit for the most part, right? When it mattered most late in some games, he couldn't get it done, but he's done a decent job. But I think they didn't expect him to have to play 11 games. And so that's where this season kind of has, you know, gotten away from him. 
and then we'll see what happens in the remaining games with Deshaun Watson. But I've got uh, Tampa Bay, like you said, Brady figuring out a way to to win an ugly game, and uh, then the Deshaun uh, Watson era will start the following week. Hey, Scotty, we appreciate the time. Keep up the fantastic work. We'll talk to you again next week, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, Kenny.